This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, fellow nerds, to Comically Speaking, the ultimate podcast for all things comic book. Whether you're a longtime collector, a casual reader, or just dipping your toes in to see how geek feels, this is the show that will ignite your passion, expand your knowledge, and keep you hooked issue after issue. My name is Greg. I'm the owner of Borks Comics, one of your hosts today. The other is my partner in comics here, Dave. We also have Matt, our amazing producer and master of all things geek. Together, we're going to deep dive into panels, pages, and stories that have captivated us for years with our combined love for the medium and a shared geeky enthusiasm. We're here to bring you a podcast that celebrates the artistry, the storytelling, and the sheer joy of comic books and nerd pop culture. We almost talked about fables on the last one, and I think since we last saw, we, uh, we all saw Guardians, right? Yeah. I'm going to start with a little recap and review of that one. What'd you guys think? So I dug it. it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. It was phenomenal. It was I mean, I, are we going to dive into spoilers? I feel like I, it's safe to dive into spoilers. Yeah, it's been way. some time. It's not going to be up for a little bit. So I think I told you I was very late to seeing it. I saw like a week after it came out, and I, for that week, was so cocky that I was doing <laughs> such a great job of avoiding all the spoilers of who died in the Guardians movie. <laughs> yep. And then I saw the Guardians movie. I was like, I didn't avoid shit. Just yeah. nobody died in this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, going back to the one episode where we talked about. Yeah, that. we were like, oh, it's going to be a bloodbath. I had the over and under at three. <laughs> Lost that one. Nobody. Yeah, it was the big twist. No casualties. <laughs> uh, but it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I mean, the High Emperor or whatever. Uh, what is his name? Uh, the um, High Evolutionary. High Evolutionary dude. He's he's more. Freaking dangerous to me than Kang at oh, this point. One hundred percent. They he played deranged very well. Yeah, it was great. It was great, and it is exactly what I said I was hoping for. James Gunn went real deep into his horror roots throughout parts of that. Like the the animal stuff was like hard to watch when they took off his mm. face and showed that mangled. Oh, I'm surprised they showed that. Skull, that was... I was like, yes. <laughs> and we got our first F word in the uh, yeah. MCU. At- Perfect placement, by the way. I remember I read something about it coming up. And I was like, where are they going to throw it in? Who's going to say it? It's going to be, you know, Drax or Rocket. Nope. Just thrown in for comedy. Yeah. Star-Lord. So I saw it twice. 
and I got I definitely had a different crowd with me each time. The first time, I literally slapped my mouth. I had no idea that this was coming, and I literally like put my hand over my mouth like a geisha, like I couldn't believe that that, that just had just happened. You know, it's first from my understanding, first time there's ever been an F word in a Disney movie. So, but the sec the first time it was kind of like got some laughs. The second time it was just crickets in the movie theater that I was at. Oh no! Yeah, I, the, the, I was, the matinee with old people and kids. I guess, man. I guess it was the the youthful group that day. But I'll I'll say this: um, sadder the second time, knowing what's coming. The first time you're kind of like you know there's like a lot of feel good and you, I I don't know the surprise of things made me not as emotional. But the second time, it was like everything leading up made it worse. It made it like more sad for me uh, as yeah, no these things. One of the simplest is like when a little baby, little baby rocket is just like hurts. <laughs> like he's just like he's learned his first word is hurts. Yeah. You know what I mean? This that's with and that's and that's you know pretty pivotal to the character. If you think about it, is that this guy was basically his consciousness was born with pain. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's all he knew. And it explains so much about him. I mean, he's basically this this drunk rodent, you know, that has a fetish for firearms and gadgets and people's synthetic body parts, as we know, you know, <laughs> eyeballs and arms and such. But uh, great, great movie, great character development across the whole series. And I'm just throwing this out there and I'll let you, uh, I'll give you guys some air here. But, uh, People are saying, and my friends anyway, we're saying, best trilogy in uh, all of the Avenger movies, probably, uh, at least from a consistency standpoint. But I, I'd love I to would hear what lean you guys to think. agree with that. I think I would. I mean, I feel like the the flip side of that would be. The, I mean, the Captain America trilogy is pretty great because it's the first one's great. Winter Soldier is like on a lot of people's number one film in the mm-hmm. MCU, and Civil War ranks pretty high, but. I definitely feel like those don't feel like a trilogy. They just feel like three movies in a story that don't have like a. See, I wasn't arc. even a fan of the the, the first Captain America. Me, see, I, I love the first I, Captain America, mm-hmm. but I it's from the dudes who did Rocketeer. It reminds yeah. me of Rocketeer. I loved Rocketeer as a I'm kid. Saying, I'm so not saying that. I I hated it. I'm not saying I didn't like it. Like it. It's just it wasn't in my top. I think it it's was my like, favorite of those early pre Avengers Marvel yeah. movies like, though. As far as like trilogies, it beats out Iron Man two. That yeah. movie was horrible. Like like this one, it was a strong trilogy. But I just, as far as Guardians goes, there wasn't a lower movie. No, like they, I don't it was understand kind of the hate on two. There are some people who fucking hate Guardians two, and well, I think it's stupid. fantastic. It's amazing. I like them all. You've yeah. got dancing baby Groot. You've yeah. got. Got Mary Drax. Poppins, y'all. <laughs> people <laughs> hate that like, line. Apparently, how they turned. What's his name? I'm gonna say Korg, but I know that's not him. What's Zandu? Xander. Yeah. And yeah. that being his actual dad, and that line is was he's a, he may have been your father, but he's not your daddy boy. It was like that that, that emotional stuff that hits. Like when Peter finally realizes he wasn't gonna eat him, he was just teaching him. He didn't hate him. Mm-hmm. He was saving him from his actual father that whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I expected a little more out of the first the first Captain America. So it's like when you take a look at it, that should be a slam dunk. We're talking about Captain America. The leader of the Avengers, they they ought to be the best movies. They ought to, and we still here we have Guardians, which is like very C list comic book characters in the Avengers series. 
being argued as being better than Captain America. It, and if you ask me, I'd say that they are because I don't, I'm like Greg, I don't really care for the first Captain America. And part of it is that I'm a World War II purist. Yeah. And, and there's just like way too much like... You're like, Steve well, Rogers didn't show up during World also, War II. Also, flip side, it, the, that first phase of Marvel wasn't what we know as Marvel today. No, it's still getting their feet wet and trying and that's, learning. And, that's mm-hmm. where it comes tough a little bit. I, I also think... I think the MCU is bad at origin story movies, mm. honestly. Like the I, best the best MCU movies are stuff like Guardians or like the Spider-Man movies where they just throw us in there and they're already a character and we just buy into it because we MCU don't need... that's not John Favreau is yeah. horrible at yes, origins. John Favreau is really good Iron at Iron Man, the but... first one will be in my top five forever. That but you in could general, not like most of their origin Captain movies, Marvel was not great. I think that Captain this is America, why, eh. this is why I have a problem even with the first Avengers movie is I feel like the first hour of the first Avengers movie is just retreading all of the mm-hmm. characters that we already know. And it's like, just we've watched the movies. We've yeah. seen the bumpers where they're, they've been, approached by Nick Fury like just dive in with them meeting like yep. I don't need to introduce each character and get their backstory a second time like no, I agree this like, should have be better started for me. where yeah Thor showed up to yes. show them up to so the type of viewer that I am I, maybe I was being a little bit spoon-fed in this moment because I have no gripe with the first Avengers in fact it's probably one of my favorites and it may be just because that's the fan I am is I'm the guy who they they put that crutch out there for me, <laughs> you know. I was like, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play a TikTok that I found recently uh, that does sum up my complaints about the Marvels movies in under a minute. Um, I, I can't go see Marvel movies anymore. I tried to go to. I tried to go see Ant Man versus versus the nigga. <laughs> the Ant Man three. I tried to go see it, but like you fuck up and tell somebody you're gonna see a Marvel movie, and then they scare your ass like you ain't prepped for an exam. <laughs> Hey man, I'm going to see Ant-Man 3. Well, have you seen the Disney Plus series Loki? Like, no. I didn't know be like prerequisite that. to the shit. I thought the only prerequisite to Ant-Man 3 was Ant-Man 2. Like, that's... But now everything's all connected. I did not ask for the... Who asked for this shit? The shit was cool up until Thanos, but after that, motherfucker, give me my life back. I can't... Watch 40 movies all tied to another 40 movies. I want to watch one goddamn movie and go home. <laughs> yeah, you can't miss all, anything. Who is that? I don't know. I'll, I'll check and see if his name shows up. He was up actually throwing off some Cat Williams vibes. I yeah. really enjoyed it. I got to look him up. <laughs> I was like, he, it, like, that line where he's like, I don't need to watch 40 movies to enjoy other 40 movies. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, that is the biggest problem. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, Roy Wood Jr. was his right. name. Well, shout out to that guy. Look him up on TikTok and follow him because I'm about to. You know, I, honestly, I don't know that you you really do have to watch that many movies. I think it's just there are so many people who take it so serious. People like us because I yeah. ask those questions too. But I also just have low expectations for other people. Maybe because my expectations for myself are already pretty rock bottom. So it's kind of just like, hey, you want to watch a you know a pretty okay action movie with some good some decent laughs in there and i think that's what marvel or does right with this is you don't have to watch everything and know all of the history to enjoy the movie the movies are going to be good standalones it's just you get that extra out yeah now this last phase they definitely went too far with too many shows and this and that and just too much was connect like like that was the thing where i and i said this before i know that people 
absolutely hate it. She-Hulk. I didn't love She-Hulk, but what I did like about it was that I didn't need to see any other TV show to watch She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I could just put it on, and it was dumb entertainment for 22 minutes that required no pre-existing knowledge of a goddamn thing yeah. versus, like... I'm nervous that when Loki season two comes out, I'm going to be like, I forget everything that brought me to this point. There's a crocodile Loki. <laughs> like, he was in love with like, a chick version of himself. Like, I, I like Loki. Now, what do you guys think about Hawkeye? I like Hawkeye. I think that it got, I think it kind of just dropped at a time where no one was like wanting to watch a six part Christmas yeah. miniseries, I, but it, it was fine. Getting added to my Christmas Movie list, I think. Yeah. That might be another thing we've already touched on. Yeah. I, it reminds me of a... Coming I, right after Die Hard. I legitimately thought it was a Shane Black show. Mm. Because I'm like, Shane Black did Iron Man 3. He's part of the MCU. Dude knows how to do a good Christmas action movie. Like, the best of them. Like, between, like, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Lethal Weapon. And I think the last Boy Scout is a Christmas one as well. Or uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. Like, Long, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude loves doing action movies at Christmas time. And it's like, this feels... Like, I thought Hawkeye felt like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's like snappy dialogue, cool action, really tied to the Christmas vibe, not just like controversial statement, like Die Hard, like Christmas is just kind of a backdrop. It's not central to the plot. It's not central to the plot. (laughs) Whereas like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Hawkeye, it's tied to the plot way deeper that it's Christmas time. Watch. You can't can't mess with our producer. We're going to sound horrible if we say anything. So yeah, no, you're 100% right. Die Hard, not a Christmas movie. I will will say Die Hard 2 absolutely ties way more into it being Christmas time than the first movie. It does have a cooler kill. I mean, they have a jet ski scene or a snowmobile scene or whatever. Yeah, There's actual true. snow in Die Hard too. Yeah. <laughs> Blue versus red mags. Isn't there like yeah. a? But there's a. I think there's a snow or there's a Santa Claus in the uh, first Die Hard, isn't there? Or uh, maybe it just at the. My thing he was wears that, the hat and what? says ho ho this ho. Now gonna, I've got a machine gun. Yeah. This is getting into too many schematics <laughs> for our comic book thing. So my, fables. Yeah, let's go back to fables. No, my my whole thing was always just like a, to me a Christmas movie. If you removed Christmas from it the movie would be totally different, that it would totally affect the plot. If you took the entire plot of Die Hard and just were like, oh, it's the Memorial Day party, or it's like, it's it's any office party, the rest of that movie runs exactly yeah. the same way with no bumps. <laughs> like, That's fair. Like, if you changed up Home Alone... Yeah, it's a little completely different. different. Yeah, <laughs> like, I got you. I like it better for it being... Barely a point. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I got no beef with it. I am not going to be like, you're wrong for saying it's a Christmas movie. I'm just saying that Christmas doesn't make that movie make or break. People like Die Hard because it's a good-ass action movie. (laughs) I don't even get into it. (laughs) Bruce Willis himself Yeah, back to the MCU. So, now, yeah, you were saying it's it. This, I don't know what they're doing. I think this last phase felt like, all right, let's throw whatever we have up against the wall and see what sticks Mm -hmm. and go with that. I try to be open-minded. As you've said, there's... There's there's experiments that happen in Disney and they're trying things and Disney Plus came out people were crying for content so they started cranking out content and then it now was it's shows them almost a billion dollars a quarter yeah and then it's yeah and it was I think it was eating up a lot of the production that would have otherwise went into movies so we weren't getting movies we were getting Disney Plus content and it's like let's be honest fan base is tough yeah. And that I know that because I'm part of it. Yeah. I'm content if Disney Plus wants to just do one show at a time, 
I am fine with that because mm. I'm getting burned out on like Netflix dropping like 15 shows a day. When they brought the the bigwig back over at Disney, yeah, uh, what's his name? I'm drawing a blank now, but that was one of his changes. He was like, "We're going to focus less on this. We're going to bring it down to maybe four shows a year." Or yeah, because we got Secret Invasion or... coming up this month, right? Yeah. That looks good. Yeah, that's nice. throwing me some back to the Captain America. It's giving me some Winter Soldier vibes. But which... that's that's the thing that's crazy is the Secret Invasion shit feels like that's like we haven't talked about that for years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like we got we got like the hint of it in Captain Marvel, and then we just fucked off into multiverse shit yep. for like four years. Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I'm. I've got so many theories going back and forth about what they're trying to do. I think they have the same theories because they don't have a <laughs> roadmap yet. But I think that's what they're doing. Multiverse is trying to figure out what they want. And I'm pretty sure Spider-Man and Sony owning Spider-Man has a big part. Yeah. I feel like, as a, what's God, it, Holland's got another trilogy coming. Yeah, we got so much good shit on the horizon now I'm thinking about it. Because, I mean, we're here to talk about Flashpoint. That's like mm-hmm. the main topic but holy shit we got secret invasion this month we got flashpoint this month we got across the spider verse this month like that's where i was June, going with this yeah, i June's think this is stacked ass month for we're gonna for have a live us. action miles yeah. sooner rather than later and i think that secret war might be uh what brings that in maybe i so i I'm, here's my theory is whatever deal with sony owns spider-man right? yeah they're not gonna keep splitting it maybe that's what brings Miles into the MCU, Sony takes Holland and throws him in with the what they're doing over there. With I'm sure is coming out to be a uh, Sinister Six because we've got the Venom movies. We had Morbius. They're I was doing legitimately now. shocked that they didn't just claim the newest Spider-Man movie as a Sinister Six movie. It's it same, basically that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, in in the little uh, magic sky opening, you yeah. got a bunch of them. You saw Rhino. You saw. Um, who else was up there? You, could, you saw Craven the Hunter, like the silhouettes. Yeah. But even to begin with, like you're, you were, what? You had five. Yeah. Just, just throw in one more yeah. and make it a Sinister Done. Six movie. <laughs> like I just, I did that. I was like, I don't understand why we didn't just go all in on making this a fucking Sinister Six movie. Another thing that they've been hinting at for over a decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Tell you what, though, that was that. Spider Man was one of my tops. It was, I don't think they did anything wrong. <laughs> I love it. Uh, my friend Ashley had a great quote where she's like, "It's a great, it's a great experience, but it, it's hard to classify that as an actual movie because <laughs> it's just a three-hour third act, basically." You know, for for fantasy, yeah. it is fantasy, and we yeah. we got to remember that it's like it's it's like sci-fi, but then it's like your made-up imaginary thing is unrealistic. Like they were solving problems in a lab in like an hour that would take years. Yeah. You know, just little they had things three like Peter that. Parkers. Yeah. Like, oh, well, whoa. okay. Top five smartest in the MCU. Yeah. Is that what is that the next yeah. top five we're gonna is that You're the right? first top five we're gonna do? Or it might the smartest be. Who's people the... in the in the MCU? So you put yeah. Spider Man and Professor X in the same in the same list. We're talking genius. Professor X would be smart because he can read minds. I get I'm not going with a handicap on this one. Okay. No asterisk. You got Reed Richards. He's pretty high. Peter up, Parker. Right? Right. Um, Are we including supervillains as well as superheroes? Uh, Bruce on Banner. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we do two ones. Bruce Banner. Um, Tony Stark. I'm. 
Is, I don't know if he makes. Tony, the cut. Keep in he mind, uses... Tony Stark was impressed by a teenage Peter Parker, yeah. mm-hmm. which I feel like automatically puts Peter Parker above Tony Stark on the intelligence level because he's only seventeen and this forty-year-old dude's in all of them. I feel like Stark uses a lot of technology to assist his uh, his work too. Like yeah. he depends on AI to do a lot of the things. Right, I would put that as another asterisk. Yeah, like yeah. He created the AI that helps him do everything else. Right. But Shuri... Work smart, not hard, I guess. You know? <laughs> Black Panther's sister, Shuri, is up there. Yeah. I even think they're throwing Riri Williams, the new Ironheart, new Iron Man, is yeah. up there. But nah, I wouldn't say top five. But I would say, yeah, so in no order, Reed Richards, and we'll go heroes just on this We can be really one. stupid. Yeah. We could consult the back of all of the trading cards right? I have downstairs. It has <laughs> intelligence, intelligence in there. Six. Yeah, I'll go through all of these and, <laughs> and stack the, the ones that have tens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's got to be Reed Richards, Peter Parker, Bruce Banner, Shuri, and who was the last one hmm. I'm saying? Heroes, mind you. I'm trying to think. I'd say I'll put Tony oh, yeah, Stark in there. Gonna, just... If you're going to put villains in there, Doom, Doom has to Doom, be. 100% yeah. Doom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wasn't because aren't the Fantastic Four, aren't they astronauts? So, like, they got to be smart, right? Well, Reed Richards. Yeah, but was, Reed's yeah. kind of the... Doom, the, referring to Doom. And Doom Doom and Reed are both definitely yeah. the smart ones on right. that expedition. You sure? Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> not to say, that is not saying that the other three are like dum-dums that sure, they brought up sure, on they're the stage. But, right. but they're definitely the two that are like, okay, these are the guys who mm. are kind of spearheading this very dangerous Like There was a point, I actually, I wanted to be an astronaut, and I started looking up what it took to be an astronaut. A lot of math. Yeah, a lot of math. I'm out. You know, it was like I didn't. And then I, the more I read it, I was like, I don't want to be an astronaut. I want to be Master Chief. You know, <laughs> I want to be a Starship Trooper. <laughs> I want to be a Colonial Space Marine. I want to ride through space. So I don't want to be an astronaut. Somewhere. I want to be a grunt on a spaceship with a gun. I want to blow things up <laughs> across the universe. That's actually what I want to do. I don't think it counts as an astronaut. Were you a tortured raccoon in your childhood? Was I was I what a tortured raccoon in your childhood? Sometimes I think so. The um, so like the Spider Man of it all. Like I'm excited for what they do next with Spider Man. Yeah. Because we have Spider Man at like the best part for there to be a Spider Man, which is like when his life is in shambles. And I think that's what made the movie for me. It was yeah. good in that last act where you finally see him on his own as Peter Parker in a rundown motel room. Nobody knows anything, and he swings out in his classic Ditko Spider-Man uniform with the weird-looking big spider on the back and the correct colors, not Tony Stark suits. Yeah. It's like, this perfect. Like, this is what I want to see. This is the Spider-Man I remember I read as a kid. And that's... But, like, that's the thing. is like, even throughout the history of comics, it's like, you can't... No one buys comics when things are winning mm-hmm. for Peter Parker. When he's happily married and, and all, like, they always have to screw it up because no one cares. They... Mm-hmm. Peter Parker is supposed to be the character that we connect the most with. That yep. we see out of everybody in the MCU, even if we're not the super genius that he is, we're supposed to connect with him. And like uh, before the MCU, Stan Lee was writing him as the the nerd scrawny kid. He wasn't the Superman with yeah. the muscles. He was just an average kid that got powers. I heard a dude say this on the other podcast, and it was also like I'd been awake about fifteen minutes, so I'm going to give a little <laughs> bit of credit to that. But he said something that actually made me start to tear up because I'd never thought about in this lens was he talked about, you know, the quote that we all know tied to Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. Right. And he's like, I feel like we as a society have done a disservice to what this quote 
actually means, right? He's like, because we read that as like, Spider-Man got superpowers, and because he's got all these great superpowers, he's got great responsibilities. Like, what that quote is supposed to trigger in you is every time that you could have made the right choice to positively affect something, and you chose the coward's way out instead, Mm -hmm. that we all have a power and a responsibility to utilize our gifts for good. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Like, wow, yeah. It's like eight in the Smack morning, I'm right laying in, in bed, like, oh my God. <laughs> I shouldn't have ran that red light and flipped off the guy. Like, it's oh, like, Jesus, I'm an asshole. But that's why we connect to Spider Man is mm-hmm. it's like he's he's the best of you'll it's why the symbiote suit is such a, a hard story to tell is because you're supposed to see the person that we all connect with doing the wrong thing for mm-hmm. the first time truly ever since he let uncle ben die yeah. like it is the first time he has really been truly selfish and it took 300 issues to get there <laughs> like he is the best he is the best of all of us uh but yeah speaking of when things are best when things are bad flashpoint <laughs> yeah that- yeah, we just skipped right through Guardians. We are not good at staying on top. No, no, we we hopscotch all over the place. We talked <laughs> enough it about yeah. it. Yeah, I get it. Was good. What? So Guardians was amazing. Go yeah, see we, it. We, we, didn't have, we didn't have any negative critiques. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think there's plenty to attack attacking it. Um, but ultimately, it's good. It. I think that anything bad is trumped by the fact that it gives you. There's a lot of emotional movement that happens, at least for me, in that one. And like I've said, I think it's a surprise to many that Guardians ends up being the thing that does move us this way. Like, not too many Marvel movies that had me tearing up, but the first, second, and third have these points that are that are emotional that you're just like, oh man, wasn't expecting that. We are Groot. That that hurt when you got Yondu. Even the Mary Poppins, y'all think as corny as it is, it's kind of like. I mean, this that we know he perishes, you know, um, and it it hurts because it's like uh, Peter or uh, Quill Quill just just realized what this person meant to him, and then he's taken from him in that instant. And then three is just all movie. There there was a particular girl I saw with my buddy's girlfriend. He actually said she was going through it or something going into the movie, and she said he said from start to finish she was bawling for that movie. Uh. And I mean, I, I think Eddie was pulling well, out the point. That's the thing. It's it's a film about grief for uh, all multiple them. characters. Yeah. And that's what, when they said it was the story about Rocket. And I didn't see that the first two movies, but pulling it together, it 100% was Rocket's trilogy. But even on the face of being Peter Quill's trilogy, his downfall and what happened through him, it, to seeing him like showing up as just drunk and not being able to f- deal with life and just masking it and... Be self-medicating because of all he lost, yeah. and then seeing that that's mirrored exactly with what Rocket's been doing, which we haven't noticed the entire time until I, they show it in this one. Now imagine, here we go though, to go back to everything being connected. Imagine if you only watched the three Guardians movies, and that was your own, like you never dabbled into the rest of the MCU. You don't even get a hint of the gravity of no, what yeah. has brought Quill. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. where Quill's at, because so much of that is in the Avengers yeah. films. Like, but yeah, from where we left off on Guardians Two, this dude has lost his father figure. He's lost his mother years ago. 
now he's lost the only other love of his life, and now arguably his best friend is about to die. Like it's like yeah. no wonder he is just a drunken mess. Don't forget point. his real father came into the picture and tried to kill tried him. Tried to kill everybody, <laughs> and then they had to destroy him too. Yeah. He finds out mother Mantis died, father sister. figure died, yeah. killed his real dad, best friend. He's on death's door right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, love it. Yeah, it, it, like his dramatic, horrible yeah. story. While we're talking about things Quill lost, I I have to point out that this is Gamora's best movie. She's never uh, been cooler than she was in this one. She's never yep. been hotter than she was in this one. She was phenomenal. Like I loved badass Gamora. This yeah. version of Gamora was my favorite, probably because she isn't broken. I think that's kind of what allowed Gamora to get into the Guardians of the Galaxy legitimately, is that she was over Thanos. She was past the Thanos um, threshold for herself, where she was like, no, I hate this guy now. I, yeah, she, she already was find there. find her family, the good guys. Yeah, they kind of she's yanked. like, nope, I'm going to be a Ravager. I'm going to be a space pirate. She never got to that unbroken point. She was still like in the prime of kicking ass for Thanos when she got yanked back in. And so, yeah, she, she becomes a space pirate with the Ravagers. And she, I, I love the whole, like, if, somebody, so if you guys act up, I'm blowing somebody's head off. When she says, like, kill the guy with the carrot just to, that looks like a carrot <laughs> yeah. just to send a message. That's great. That is fucking great to me. And the guy's, like, that, pissing himself. The cameos, too. It's Captain Carrot, right, from the comics? Yeah. You've got... Uh, He's just some schmuck that looks like a carrot yeah. to me. I don't know. <laughs> Captain Carrot and... Uh, the space dog, give me the name. Cosmo. Cosmo. Uh, just yeah, Howard the dog. Duck, which was Seth Green, which I had no idea. Yeah, was that was, he was it. Was Seth Green? Yeah. All back of them. In, yeah, yeah any time that he showed up, I want a good Howard the Duck movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't like the old Howard the Duck movie? Listen, that ain't no fucking Howard the Duck movie. As, I mean, I haven't read all the Howard the Duck comics, but I've read enough to know that ain't no fucking Howard the Duck. I have tell no you what, if they go down Howard the the, the, the storyline of Howard the Duck running for president. That would be perfect. I want to watch it. Isn't there? So I, I like I said, I haven't read all the. I bear. I probably read twenty Howard the Duck comics. Honestly, still more than I have. A, like five, but, but I think that there's literally a one of the Howard the Duck comics is just Howard the Duck writing a letter to the creator of the comic Howard the Duck. Oh, the, yeah, the, the one where there's no art in yeah. the comic book. It's just <laughs> words and it's a letter. Yeah. And it's basically just like, why would you create me? <laughs> what? And it's like, at some point in the letter, it's like, even right now, you're just writing this letter to yourself like some weird fucked up vanity project. <laughs> like, it is any anything that you give Deadpool for meta-ness in comics, was Howard, Howard the, the Duck, Duck yep. had, was crushing it even before that. Yep. <laughs> so, and then the whole thing with Groot, too. Gamora couldn't understand Groot throughout the whole film. And then... At some point, she just does. She just does. At the end, she he says something to her. She says, well, he says, I am Groot. That's what we hear. And she responds to him accordingly because she's hearing Groot. So then what I'm throwing out to you guys, which you may or may not have picked up on or believe, because I think it's theory as much as it's religion here. Um, we hear Groot say, I love you guys at the end. And the theory, as I understand it, is that that's us being able to hear Groot. We finally now. can understand his we language. We can understand. I never thought about Which, that. Which, leaving, uh, leaving the second time, having known that, made it hurt extra. Because I was told my sister, and I was already on an emotional brink of falling apart. And I was like, you know, that's what this is about. And she was like, oh, wow. And it was like, it hit both of us kind of in a spot. Like, now... 
we're all finally worthy of hearing what Groot has to say as well. Here's my complaint. Because when he said, I love you guys. We're going to preface this with, uh, this is the guy that liked the last Star Wars trilogy. So take it with a grain of salt, whatever he's going to say. When he said, I love you guys, you know, we heard it was Vin Diesel's voice. I wish he just called him family. (laughs) You know what? Now you got me. You guys family. And then it says... you just, fly cars just, in space? <laughs> only with family. And then it just slams Fast and Furious 12 at the end. <laughs> yeah, and we're definitely going to dive into that at some point for not being a for being a comic book show, but th- those Look, movies those are, are getting... Comic- that's what I'm getting at. They're becoming comic books. Rise- they're just like, you know what? We don't give a fuck about realism yeah. anymore. When Let's Ludacris just go can what shoot happens. himself into outer space inside of his car, you've officially exactly. jumped into yep. the MCU. Done. Right. Yeah, just <laughs> fire a challenger over. into a rocket, <laughs> off of a helicopter, into space. Oh, onto, that's what we need. That's space. We, take take all of the movement. non-mainstream characters. Give us your Han. Uh, what was the guy from Tokyo Drift's name? Uh, uh, I don't me, know. Give me that guy. Give me some of the other ones. And add them to the new Guardians of the Galaxy roster. Uh, they just find them in space with Ludacris, just floating out there, and uh, whatever timeline of the MCU space. didn't work out as well. Yeah. So the rest of the family made it, but these guys are still floating around. Again, the new Guardians thing, find them, just like they found uh, Iron Man floating up there. Bring them in. Fast and Furious, MCU crossover. Yeah, this is not going to be a popular pitch, I feel like. Here's a quick Guardians it. question, though, I have to ask. Because we're under the impression that this is the end of this era of the Guardians. And it does a good job of breaking everything apart. And we even see, like, who the new Guardians are. And I do hope that we get a movie with this new version of the Guardians. I want to see, like, Adam Warlock thrown into his, his, like, skill set and all that stuff. But then it ends with the, like, Peter Quill will return. Do you think that they just keep Quill on Earth and he starts showing up in other MCU movies? Or do you think that we eventually... Maybe not right away, but like five, ten years from now, get the whole gang back together for a reunion movie. Uh, yes, question mark. What yeah. I'm hoping for personally when I was thinking about this was he's going to stay on Earth for a while because he doesn't have that much holding him there, right? Just yeah. his grandfather who is probably going to die soon. There you go. <laughs> so he's going to miss it. That's all he knows. He's got to get back there somehow. If the MCU ever decides to do the old man storylines, the old man Logan, old man Hawkeye, old man Quill, would be a great way to bring him back into it. Yeah. They need to let it marinate for for 10 years. Legit. I'm not even kidding. I don't want this bullshit where they're like, this is the last one. And then we're going to push X-Men and Fantastic Four back more because we want to do another. No, no, no. We've heard the story. They were great. I'd love to see more of them, but I want what we need yeah. let, let it us age. want let it age yeah because and that's what we forget too is that the avengers what was it phases one through three i mean what did that cover almost 20 years how how long how many years did that yeah. actually take 20. 15 to 20 yeah. years so we forget like that's why that stuff had so much weight because the first time captain america made that hammer move a centimeter, not even, not even a millimeter. That was ten years or something before Until he ended. actually lifted it. Well, and that's so. I'm going to try to bring this back to the flashpoint topic that we were supposed to dive into. But I think that that's what the MCU has done so beautifully that I always felt like the DCEU struggled with is like Marvel, especially in those early days, made us wait 
to see the Avengers finally form. It was years of these one-off movies. And then we built and built and built and Even built. Even the quote, Avengers Assemble, was yeah. 20. Even yeah. 10 into it. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's so long that they built it up to but us. But was it the perfect We're, accident? Do you think I, they really meant for it to be that way? I think way? they did. And I think that they picked Iron Man for a very specific reason to kick it off because they it was the like... the only one he owned at the time. Well, <laughs> it, not just that, but it was like... Iron Man now is like... If, to say that he's anything less than an A-lister would be chaos. But uh, at that time, he was best. a C at best. So it's like, let's do this. If this is a success, we can keep dropping the puzzle pieces. And if it's a failure, it's kind of the Star Wars thing. Like, I do believe that Lucas envisioned more for star wars in the long run do i think that the scripts that we got for phantom menace was what he wrote before he got around to new hope like no fucking way but i do believe that he was like i'm gonna tell this story and if it's a success then i'll get to tell the rest of the story but if it's a failure it will still be this beautiful one-off story that people Mm -hmm. can enjoy for for whatever and that's like what iron man was was that like let's just drop this little nugget we'll see how it does it did way better than i think most people anticipate it oh so it's God, like all right yeah. let's drop all of these other pieces of these different avengers movies and just make sure the trajectory is continuing to go in the direction we're hoping it'll go so we can bring it all together do you think there were there was like five scripts waiting for the green light at the success or failure of iron man i think so yeah. i think that they were ready like they were well, ready that- to dive in that's one hundred percent right. The 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 end credit scene was Nick Fury, yeah, talking about the Avengers Initiative. Mm-hmm. So they they knew what they wanted to do, but if no one but saw if it the didn't movie, happen, it was right. like whatever. Yeah, because trust me, as someone who saw Aragon in theaters, which was a garbage movie, that ends with a real <laughs> promise of a to be continued that uh, we haven't gotten for twenty years. Um, but the DCEU feels like so much of it they didn't want to do the legwork to build to that they wanted to get a justice league movie out before they took the time to actually marinate who is aquaman who is wonder woman Cyborg. and almost like reversed engineered it they're like we're gonna put out this movie and then after the fact we'll tell you oh yeah that, that's <laughs> not even a theory that's 100 yeah. percent what happened they yeah, like saw what marvel was doing yeah and it was they even said it was the the execs up there wrote the script yeah. going back to uh, uh snyder yeah and just destroying his vision for what was their Avengers movie, Justice League, and bringing in Joss Whedon to tell the handicapped version, yeah. the, the crippled it's, it's storyline. It's frustrating because it's like, you could do something with that, but it has to be built up to and earned. It can't just be like mm-hmm. thrown out. And and it's like, they, that's the stuff that made me so annoyed is that they'd sit there and be confused why it wasn't working. And that's why I think like, they had their sights, so even even within the own Justice League movie, they could give a fuck less about half of the Justice League, because for whatever the executives are that are making those decisions, it's DC has always just been a Batman-Superman company mm-hmm. to them. And I think that that's actually the benefit of all of these co- studios buying their biggest names off of them, right? Is that Marvel couldn't just rest on the laurels of a Spider-Man and an X-Men and a Fantastic mm-hmm. Four. They had to take the B and C guys and make it work. Right? And you see, you that's couldn't what just makes make it... the movie. You yeah. had to tell a story because yeah. nobody was going to see. Now you, I mean, you, you could throw a Spider-Man movie up and you'd, you'd gross a billion yeah. if it was the worst script. But I feel like Spider-Man that's kind of what makes it the perfect accident. Yeah. Like these, these, it's like because of those things, because of that challenge, like you're saying, they were challenged 
to make a good story because like I've said in the past, like you have to make me give a shit and they, they made us give a shit about mm. Thor. Like yeah. I never would have thought much of Thor and now I'm like, Thor's, Thor's OP is shit. Yeah. You know, he comes, he drops, he drops that lightning on, you know, on, on the battlefield and, in Infinity That was another War. one that I had to grow on the first Thor movie. Even the second one, still They're not, not great, but the first one was not, first time seeing it didn't do anything yeah they're like, not great seeing the rest watch rewatching it i like it yeah but. i mean but you said it earlier the the pre-avengers marvel movies are not what we've come to expect yeah. from the mcu and they're like weird experiments they're like student films before right. the guy blo- the, before yeah, no, someone becomes a filmmaker now another thing too is like you know I, I i hate to say it but it's like it's thor is a guy who comes to the big game because in all the avenger movies he kicks, he kicks ass. That's not to say he doesn't kick ass in these other movies, but it's like the Thor movies are very much about the development of Thor and probably and explains his love interest and stuff a little bit and what motivates him. But then when, when it's game time, when it's Avenger time, Thor is one of the most powerful Avengers yeah. to hit the field. But it, you know what you're talking about with the happy accident? It makes me think of like, and it all ties back to Disney. You know the story of like basically the Disney animation renaissance and how that all happened? So Disney produced the movie Splash. And the, Splash The Mermaid movie? The Mermaid movie. And that movie made a shit ton of money. <laughs> and the person in charge was like, why the fuck are we spending millions of dollars on these animated films that never reap back their actual mm-hmm. budget when we can film these live action movies for way cheaper? Hmm. But I guess if I'm remembering correctly, it was like one of those situations where to lay everybody off and pay them severance would cost X amount of money. But if we made the working conditions awful and they quit, <laughs> it, it we would just let the animation studio die. So they moved them from this big, beautiful animation studio that they had on the studio lot to like a warehouse in like the shittiest area of California and gave them no direction. Jeez. They were just like, eh, We'll think of something. The birth of the dark side of Disney. So those dudes... Well, almost sounds like, you know, it was run by a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> well, these dudes... We don't get political here, man. Yeah. <laughs> those dudes left alone in their little area create Little Mermaid. They create the Beauty and the Beast. They do Aladdin. Lion they King. They do Lion King. They literally save the entire animation department because they didn't have people telling them what they were supposed so to be to doing. So to all the Sony execs listening to our podcast <laughs> but, that gets 50 views, knock it off. <laughs> let the creators run with it. Stop interfering and make billions of dollars. Yeah. Just, Just let creative people create. You know, there is a cost to. though. We got like we got dicks on the cover of the of the, the video. Listen, the man, they were they were renegades. Right. <laughs> Revolutionary. Well that's like Don Bluth animation came from how they were treating the animators because he got so fed up that they didn't give a shit about the art of animation that he just left and took like twenty dudes with him from the studio and was like, We're just gonna make our own movies with Steven Spielberg and he like went off and made, you know, American Tale and The Land Before Time and The Secret of Nim and like all these. What about Rescue is Down? No, that's that's Disney. That's Disney. He yeah. hooked up with Lucas and they made the Dragon's Lair and Space Ace arcade games mm. that like made billions of dollars in the eighties. Like he just ran off of and did his own thing, dude. Those games were so fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> Remember, there was that one talking Aladdin's Castle days back here yeah. in the mall, but it was Dragon's Lair and. Remember the one? It was a hologram, and you were a, a cowboy. 
I don't remember that It was one. literally a bubble-shaped game. I can't think of it, but it was a hologram post up, and you played as that guy. So I don't know how they did it, but you were a cowboy. And all you could do was duck bullets coming at you and shoot. <laughs> and in theory, and not not theory, nowadays it would be the worst game ever, but I remember just being as a kid, being like, it's a hologram. Even, and that's like the first talk. time crisis yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. Even Dragon's Lair, like, at its core... There's not much. Yeah. It's just hitting the buttons at the exact moment that you're supposed to hit the button. But like, it was like nothing. Do you, Dave, have you even seen what Dragon's Lair is? Do you have any clue what we're talking about? No. It's literally the like story. It's it's like a cut. It's like a cut scene video game arcade mm-hmm. where you're a really dim witted knight trying to save a save a damsel in distress. But it's all hand drawn 2D animation on the arcade machine, and it's just a matter of like. It will show you what buttons you have to hit, and you have to hit them the, in the right. The whole game's a quick time event. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, that's it. Oh, it's so God of War, basically. <laughs> but it's like when you're watching, you're like, and he, I'm reading Don Blue's biography right now, and he talks about like we thought this would be easy until you have to think about the two to three hundred different variations of every single scene mm-hmm. that you now have to outsource to animators to two D draw every aspect of it, like. He's like, it, we were so lucky that game was a hit because it would have killed our company if it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, it, execs need to stay out yeah. of it. They had a laser disc inside the arcade mm-hmm. cabinet to make it work. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. No. So, yeah. Guardian's good. Guardian's but good. We like do Guardian. we now let's see let's what see happens. With Flash? DCU. This one I'm very excited about. You said, I know you weren't a big DC guy. Yeah, well, you know, I know I know my share, but yeah. I'm probably more on the, I enjoy the DC side, the, the movies. Like, I liked the darker ones, the less comedy. Don't get me wrong, they did it much better now with Snyder. And um excited that Gun's in it, because you get that humor, get that darkness. But I loved what they did with Batman. I loved the first Superman ones they Kind of fell off for me. The Aquaman wasn't great. First Wonder Woman was phenomenal. Second one was horrible. Yeah. Not like that at all. But this this looks good. This looks true-ish to story. Said, uh, I've still got some hope that they're going to do things that I know they're not going to. But... From the outside in, I'm critical. I'm critical of the DCEU films. I just don't... They, they didn't reel me in. Because I think... If you really take, if you really go back to the roots of like us as young people, like I tell you, I didn't read a lot of books. I watched a lot of movies. Batman was 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 a superhero that they were cranking out movies for, and actually most of them were pretty good. At least in my era, the Keaton ones were good. Um, you know, and then we've got some in between the Dark Knight. Dark Knight is probably like my young adult into adulthood movies for for Batman, and like those are my favorite. And I think there's a lot of people's favorite at this point because they're so well done. And ultimately, like, the villain in that steals the show. And that's kind of the beauty of Batman is there are so many good villains. There's so many good villains. But I don't know these other characters as well as Batman. Like, Flash, I just, I'm not saying I don't know who he is. I know who he is. I just, I don't know his backstory. And I'm learning his backstory. And he's much more interesting. And, uh, you know, where we're going with this, with this Flashpoint Paradox stuff is really deep where he's, he's turning time to save family members and stuff, and then I'm getting to see now a version of Batman that I didn't know, which is basically Thomas Wayne, and I'd love for you to uh, tell me more about this that's guy. That's my favorite part of the storyline, and that's my 
theory that I know is not going to happen, but really, really hope they give a nod to Keaton actually being Thomas Wayne and not just a future aged Batman. But and me not being like into into this this flashpoint the way you are, I'm like Keaton's just got to be Batman. He was Batman in the old ones. They got to be bringing him in from multiverse. They saw what Marvel's doing. They're posing off them. Typical, yeah. right? I would love for you to be right. I would love for Keaton to be Thomas Wayne because the version of Tom of of Batman that that I've seen in this Flashpoint with with Thomas Wayne is is rugged. I like it. Where this guy's throwing people off roofs and it's not really nobody's ever surprised when it happens. Batman with a gun. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it, the thing. Is is was this script done, written, finalized before Gunn took the helms at DC? Because if it was. It's Keaton, Batman, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. No, if it was I Gunn, like it, I think we might have a different story. I feel like it was definitely written before Gunn yeah. because this movie was supposed to come out for like two years now. It feels like it just yeah. kept, you know, Ezra Miller has really not been the greatest PR person for, <laughs> for this movie coming out in a yeah. timely fashion. Yeah. When your star is basically kidnapping people in Hawaii and holding them at gunpoint. It Allegedly. Makes it, <laughs> it, makes it, real, it makes it real hard to want to release the movie. He came out and apologized. <laughs> now look, and sorry. Gun Please had watch his, my movie. Gunn yeah. had his share of drama too. So with him trying to balance everything, yeah. there's no way. Well, we we probably can't he... really call gun stuff drama because if they went through my tweets and told, saw some of the jokes I've told, it would have been the exact same yeah. thing. I'm glad that they stopped that cancel stuff. He yeah. made a joke. They but, never sure. fired him. Sure. But I'm sure. gonna I want to bounce back to something you said because this is another thing that I've had a beef with with DC forever, which is that you said like with Batman you have this giant all these great villains right, and it's like they never reeled you in. One of the biggest pains in my ass is that there are so many awesome Superman villains that you just have never seen put in a movie because for whatever reason, every time they make a Superman movie, they're just like, ah, let's make it Lex again. <laughs> like, like DC... <laughs> we've got has, bald Lex. We've got Lex with hair. Yeah, like we've DC got... has done an awful job. Of, again, it's something that Marvel has done really well is take those big swings on like sometimes villains who had super short story arcs in the grand scheme of Marvel. Calendar Man? But going like, hey, this guy's a badass. Let's just throw him in there and see see if it sticks. You now, know, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. We just move on. Like I like now I like what they did with the with the Zah dude and his yeah. buddies and stuff. Now he's coming back and I I actually remember a superhero movie like probably from the seventies where they pop up, those guys that were all black, Zah and his people. Yeah, Superman too. Yeah. Okay. So like I and I just remember it from a kid, like it was on, you know, and I was never a big superhero guy. And it's like, it's really cool to see an updated, much less corny version yeah. of those well, guys. See, I think what got me back into Superman, honestly, was the TV show Smallville. I was never a Superman guy, but I loved it. If you've never watched it, it's... I, I didn't, but Watching so, now, it's more of a teeny, soapy Is that vibe, straight up but, Superman, Clark Kent? Like, So, yes, it's Superman, but they never give him... something? Or they, it's him growing even, up. They okay, never give him a cape. Up. They never let him fly. Yeah. And it's just him learning to deal with his powers. You know, coming of age teen show. Okay. And when I watched it, when it first came out years ago, I loved it. I'd, That's a great show. I'd love to rewatch it. it. I just like don't have concept. 10 years worth of yeah. time well, to put into seasons. I mean, the movie probably would have been bad. I'm not going to sit here and pretend it wasn't, but... Oh, like, a Tom Welling Superman movie? Well, I was going to say the Nick Cage, oh, <laughs> the Nick yeah, Cage, the, Tim Tim Burton Superman movie yeah, we were no. supposed to make. But at least that was supposed to be a Brainiac story. It's like, why haven't we gotten a good Brainiac mm -hmm. Superman movie? I can't He's imagine. such a cool villain. <laughs> like, 
I can't imagine a Tim Burton doing a Superman movie. Oh, there's a great documentary you can watch all about it called yeah. The Death of Superman Lives, where they pull up all the archival footage. They actually recreate scenes from the script to show you what the movie would have looked like. It would have been garbage. Uh, it was Kevin Smith written, Tim Burton directed, and starring Nick Cage as Superman. And that's where it failed. Yeah. If they had put Johnny Depp as Superman, Tim Burton would have made sure that happened. Yeah. I bet you, though. I'll bet you, I don't know. You, it was 1989. It was still pretty <laughs> early pretty, in there. Okay. Tim, Burton, Tim Burton and Nick Cage are two, two individuals that have cult followings. Somebody would have liked it. Oh, Somebody yeah. would have oh, liked I, that I bullshit. Would love both of them. Well, yeah, and keep in mind that like he's sitting right next to me. Legitimately, Nick Cage is like no slouch with comic book shit. Like he is a comic book nerd. That right. Mm-hmm. And he would have been very dead set on like, no, I want, I want to make a good Superman movie. <laughs> I mean, he didn't succeed with either of the Ghost, Ghost Rider, Rider right? movies, but <laughs> I like the second one more than the first one. At least the second one's I wild. Got, yeah, <laughs> I got to go back and watch him. That's yeah, the dude it's been did, so long. The guys who did Crank did the second one, and yep. it feels You're like a it's big the guys fan, who did Crank. You? Ghost Rider. Yeah. yeah. Not now, the like, movies, really, but the, yeah. he's a great character. We might yeah. have brought it up, but like, if you, you know, just who would you want to play that character? Knowing what you know about uh, him from I, a comic book perspective, I would say top one would be Norman Reedus. Okay, no, but he's like old. He's pretty old. Yeah. Can he? Can he do it? Oh, like, yeah. Could he do it? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. Like, I don't know how Ghost Rider, like, what his youthfulness in his human form is. I don't know. I get like. Makes makes sense to me. Walking Dead, he's riding around a motorcycle, looks good. What if you know. he, let me ask a bit uh, a more insane question? Is any actor from any point in time? Ooh. So you could have done it because here's one that I'm thinking. I think mid '80s Bill Paxton oh, could wow. have been a fantastic. Ghost you just writer. what about? <laughs> he, he just created. Now what about? You said Bill Paxton. Now what about Bean? Yeah. Instead Hicks. What about Hicks? I tell you what. Bill Paxton underrated, very much so. Yeah. I don't Terminator, think so. Aliens, throw anything else out there. Maybe he it's was just in me. every action movie. He's yeah. been killed by everything. He's yeah. been. He's one of the few. Terminator, right. Alien, Predator. Predator. Yeah. He's been killed by all three. Uh, I, I, well, there's something else too. I feel like he's I'm like missing. the sci-fi Sean Bean. Yeah. What you, Sean Bean? I mean, well, he just dies in everything. Yeah, I mean, they're they're they were hand in hand. They were hand in hand there. I mean, because I'm thinking of Bill Paxton like near dark. Bill Paxton, uh, not Game Over Man. Bill not, Paxton, not Game Over Bill. Like, cause you see near dark, right? Yeah. Like you know, like when he's wearing, cause he's rocking all the leather and yep. he's got the blood on his face and stuff. With the from, spike shoulders. Yeah, I'm like, and... I could absolutely see yeah, he could do if that. they did a Ghost Riders mo- Ghost Rider movie in 1988. Bill Paxton would have crushed it. See, I've loved those memes where they do like the. The Avengers, who would play it back yeah. then? It was like Tom Cruise, Iron Man. But yeah, those are fun. Those, good. those are fun. But no, yeah, I, Bill Paxton would have been good. When you said any time, I was already thinking before that. A little Cool Hand Luke. Oh, <laughs> all right. So throw him as Ghost Rider would be phenomenal. It needs to be someone who's like cool biker guy. Yeah, it has got to be. be the vibe. And say so you have to have somebody that rides. They don't I feel like CGI. Is too goofy. I don't even know. I don't know Ghost Rider well enough, but I feel like Paxton is always kind of a goofball. Yeah, they, Ghost Rider had his goof stage, but I think the good ones are the darker stories. It's, yeah, he is possessed by a demon. Yeah, it's literally the spirit of vengeance. Yeah, love him, love him to death. I, you know, and I was a guy who watched Aliens, and I wanted to be Hicks. Hicks was the man. Hicks made it to the end, but as I become an adult. 
Hudson is the best character in Aliens. He's so entertaining. Every line he has in the movie is so good. See, yeah, best is entertaining. Uh, yeah. My favorite was Vasquez, man. She was she's, badass. Yeah, she's great. She's cool. She's cool, but like... I still gotta rewatch. And, and you it's know been what? a while since I've watched Aliens. Oh, I, oh, I've been rewatching yeah. the first one a lot. I think Alien has like just kept getting better for me with every viewing. Interesting. It's Interesting. so good. Alien, two, I say Aliens is top two sci-fi movies ever. I, agree. I mean, it's opinion. a good. Well, it's also like Terminator's kind of in a similar vein. Where, what I'm about to say, but like sequels better. Well, not just that, but like. It's mm-hmm. a completely different genre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know it. what I mean? Like yep. Alien and Terminator are straight up horror movies. They're horror. Like yeah. you were saying, I think mm-hmm. the first ones were good stories. Like, hey, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And oh, they were successes. Now we've got money, a budget, bigger yeah, names to throw at crazier. this. Let's go yeah. awesome. And I think there's something about those two movies. Those They were introductions to fears that were becoming possible to to humankind it was like because we were going to space now so i'm not people weren't thinking immediately i'm going to die from aliens but there's but they had these people who were on ships that were they were transporting stuff or whatever they're doing it was all commercial what's well, the it's the fear I, they were like, of nowhere to go yeah because like, I, the idea, I went in a completely different direction with that like i saw those as like that that female-led empowered badass movie yeah like both of them sarah connor and mm-hmm. ripley and Honestly, all thanks to Jennifer Lawrence yeah. for being able to be the first female action hero to <laughs> pave the way for these <laughs> phenomenal ladies. Well, thanks, so, Jenny. So the thing is, the thing I always remember with Alien, though, that's important, and it's the same thing with, I always think about this with the first Night Living Dead movie. It's like, the first Night Living Dead movie gets a lot of credit for being this, like, subtle civil rights storyline. But like the main character that causes that wasn't written with any race in mind. It was just whoever the best actor was, that's who they put it for. And when they made Aliens or Alien, they never wrote down what the gender of any of the characters were. And that's why like every character has like a very neutral name where it's like, I don't know, like I could know a dude named Ripley. I could know a girl named Ripley and just let people audition. So it was like Ripley was always supposed to survive till the end. Ripley being a woman was not a decision at the beginning of that script being written. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think that that's, that's like fascinating is like, you kind of accidentally made this badass feminist horror movie. <laughs> like, and, and not accidentally. Yeah. Like you said, perfect. And yeah. so I, I'm sure this part's going to get cut out of the podcast, but the, we have it. It's not yeah. out there. Badass female action stars exist. It's awesome. Yeah. It's when you write it to be, well, now we're going to throw this in it. Well, we're going to do it to piss somebody off. That's makes the thing, it horrible. That's the thing that makes a lot it's, of the MCU stuff really stressful. Is it's like Captain Marvel could have been a great movie if you wrote it as a great movie. Yeah, Marvel doesn't know how to do that stuff subtly. No, <laughs> that's that's always been their no. downfall. Well, we've, we've said it. You you have to earn it. And yeah. It's, Ellen Ripley wasn't badass in the first one. She was actually not badass she was a person who triumphed in a really tough yeah. situation she, yeah. she, she, cat, like she an survived idiot. <laughs> she wasn't badass she didn't teeth. win survived by the skin of her teeth yeah. and with a lot of luck she made it now she did everything she needed to to make it happen but there was also things there that like they could have went a different way and she got lucky yeah second one we get to see a different version where she takes a little bit more control of situations and learns and it's and development 
gets yeah, taught no, how I, to use the weapons. But she wasn't picking up the guns yeah. at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. It was like, nope, this is it. W- w- it took two traumatic disasters for her to get to that point. Yeah. I always talk about with the horror podcast that there's a difference between a survivor girl and a final girl, mm-hmm. right? And you said it. A survivor, a survivor girl is the one who just, I think of Lori Strode in Halloween. They just happen to make it to the end yep. okay. Mm-hmm. A final girl is like the girl. Lori Strode and whole in, Halloween in, in the newest yeah, ones. Yeah. Or, or even like I always say, <laughs> Heather Langenkamp in like Nightmare on Elm Street where she's like, no, I'm going in with a plan and I'm going to get yeah. this. Dude. like And a gun. Yeah. like It's like the difference of like, I will fight for survival versus like, I just lucked out. <laughs> and a gun with a flamethrower taped to it. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I mean, look at the three Have you seen the movie Final Girls? No. Oh, it's good. So good. Watch it. You'll love okay. everything about it. It's the it's, less you know, the better. Yeah, I, to say, I don't want to tell you anything going into it, but it Thomas Middleditch is in it. Yeah. Just Hilarious. don't be tricked by the movie that came out the same year called The Final Girl, which yeah. is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the name. It's Final Girls. Okay. Watch it. Final Final Girls. Talk about that next week. Yeah. <laughs> So aliens kind of ran away with us a little bit there, but yeah, I sorry. don't mind. That's yeah, Flashpoint flash, though. Flashpoint. Yeah, Flashpoint. I mean, I think it'll be all right. I that, so the reviews are great. And yeah. Said even Stephen King, who famously said he does not like superhero movies, put one up saying, "Hey, even though superhero movies aren't my thing, this was great, well done, story, <laughs> emotional." So I'm not worried about that. I know it's going to be good going into it, but I just I want to see what they do. Like I said, I've got. The hopes his flashpoint was one of the all-time great storylines. It took that dark turn. Like you said, you saw the little bits of Thomas Wayne killing people. Uh, you had Superman, who was not found by the Kents, but the American government, and held underground under red light, never having the light of the sun, so he didn't have powers. He was emaciated. Uh, finally, gets out and sees what he does, and he's killing people. Batman's killing people. Aquaman and Wonder Woman are at war because people died. It was just like that darker storyline, which taught Flash, oh, shit, I can't go back in time and Butterfly Effect it to save my mom because mm-hmm. it just destroys everything else. Happy ending, let's go back and change it. DC New 52, which is literally what they're doing with this one. I think they're going to rewrite the movies coming out with what Gunn's doing, but how well and how close to that storyline is it going to be? Now, so We've got Supergirl in yes. the movie as opposed Could to Superman, nice. right, Kara? And is she now? If we explain this to me, because Supergirl is she her own character in the universe, also with Superman, or is she only like an alternate universe? No, she, she is in mainstream continuity. It's his cousin, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, but there were a couple ones: Kara, and then there was the the dark-haired Supergirl in the the Superman Batman run. But in this, isn't she? Is she supposed to be Superman? Like, so she's the Superman in this alternate world is what right. I'm thinking. Okay. There, I don't think we're going to have Superman. So that's, that's kind of my question. Is So like Supergirl, blonde, uh, do I know to be a blonde well, No, she And the, super, the more modern Supergirl was brunette, short hair. And then she, but and she's an alternate version of Superman. No. No. Nope. She's her own character. Okay. So now, but then this, is she Superman, an alternate version I of Superman? I think so. Yeah. I've not seen okay. it yet, but I think that's I'm what they're going to use to, instead of changing so much, mm-hmm. it's, all right, well, we can now do Supergirl was the one that came to Earth and was found by the government and held and not I Superman see. found by the Kents. Gender that's, switch a little bit. That's what we're going to see in this one, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. I 
guarantee you we're not going to have the Flash Wonder Woman war. Now that we've got pictures of Zod. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be Superman wasn't there to stop the invasion. Mm-hmm. All right, let me ask you this now. Is this, is this, how necessary is this movie? Would things change in the way Oh, 100%. Are? 100%. And it, 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 like you think it's going to bridge into DCU, off of DCEU, in a very relevant way? Uh, yes, I think this is what Gunn's going to use to basically get rid of all of the junk, for lack of a better word, because I did like most of those movies. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of good ones, but yeah. just change it into what he wants, because we, we know he's already said Cavill's mm-hmm. not going to be his Superman, yeah. right? So he's changing all yes. the characters, which this is going to be the point that changes everything. I think the other thing is, like, Gunn's going to be coming in there, leaving Marvel, Sorry. which, you like, did. yes. Have we complained about there being some inconsistency sometimes with a Marvel movie? Absolutely. We're fans. We're going to complain about shit. That's mm-hmm. what we do. But, but like, it's a given. to Marvel's credit, there is a very stylized Marvel look. But all of their films can look different. You know what I mean? Like, Eternals looks different than Guardians of the Galaxy that looks different than an Ant-Man movie. That Like, each one of their characters has their own little flair visually. Mm-hmm. But then it's like you have that specific Marvel type of action scene. And, and like, there, there's something that makes it all feel the same. The DC, oh, yeah. It's, it's the same. T- yeah. You could interchange characters and yeah. it's the script. And it's... DCEU happy, always not happy, just felt like nothing end. was connected. It was just a bunch of shit floating in the ether that only connected when they told us that it was important that it suddenly connected. And I think James is going to... I think that's going to be the biggest thing he provides for us, is that he's going to sit down and be like, we have to make this... We have to have our own visual flair the same way that Marvel has, where when you're watching, you go, oh, this is... Di-. You should be able to f- change through channels, not see what movie it is, and by just how something's being shot, go, oh, this is a DC movie or this is a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what he's going to try to really get That's what there. he's good at. Yeah. The, the, it's also, going back to the C-list characters. Yeah. He's getting away from the Batmans, the Supermans. He'll still have those. I'm sure that was in the contract. He's got the flagship movies. Yeah, yeah I'm but, sure he can't just kill <laughs> off Batman and Superman. But did you, for a second, when it was announced that he was going over, think he was going to come out with a Creature Commandos movie? Yeah. No, he's going no. for... Swamp he, Thing. I've been waiting for a Swamp Thing movie forever. Yeah. I, I think that's what I'm most excited about I hope you're for right. him, is are we going to see Constantine show up? I think so. I think he's going to go... Because again, at his core, James Gunn is a horror dude. Mm-hmm. So he's going to go for those dark, weird stories. And he's... I mean, he's one of those dudes where if anyone even tries to tell me that he's not a comic book fan, like, secretly, it's like, motherfucker, you haven't been paying yeah. attention. Watch. <laughs> like, Watch. This dude's going to change... He's going to make me give a shit about DC for a while, That's I what think. He, and Because I would want he, to. What you're saying yeah. is, is perfect. He's going he's, he's to bring... Maybe some of the Marvel equation yeah. to the DC, the DCU, and but hopefully in its own way, like you're saying, like and in do a darker it like we've been way. saying with time. Yeah. time Give yeah. it the time that it needs to marinate mm-hmm. and build, and like sure, shit out a bunch of Superman and Batman movies to keep you afloat while yeah. you're like keep those billions over running here. in, yeah. so you build do. up these Please other do. ones. Yeah, yeah, like because I loved the Batman, and I would love to see more. Give me more. Weird horror Batman stories in that very like that's the one specific thing world. I hope they keep going because I also I think the Batman was one of my top favorite Batman movies. Oh, yeah. Taking it back, loved yeah. it, and I think he said that the sequel's already yeah pre-production. It's not getting canceled and having that stay in its own universe, like with the Joker. 
He was a which detective for once. He's oh, never been finally, a detective. Finally. <laughs> you can't, you can't, but like James Gunn can't operate without the Joker, right? Like he's not going to not have the Joker, right? I mean, the Joker will be there. But you can't, you can't avoid, like the Joker is, is just a cash this is cow just, at this, this point This is the biggest itself. problem with it because it's like, we've already seen so many Jokers and then everyone, it's always comparing them. So it's yeah. like, you know, uh, well, he ain't Heath. At the end of the day, you're going to get that yeah. all day. You well, ain't Heath. That's you know? why I want to see the new ones. Like I said, yeah. I want to go back to the Constantine one because I think that's my favorite DC character. Yeah. Going into this, loved both both versions of it. They have Keanu Reeves was phenomenal. The movie was great. It's not comic book Constantine, yeah. Yeah. but it was dark. Matt Ryan playing the comic book version was so much more accurate, but it was comical. It was funny. The show was Good, I enjoyed it. Canceled off. I'm glad they found a place for him through some of the other ones, but it's not living up to his potential. If can Gone you explain can keep to Matt, me what like what the the comic John Constantine? What was he? What was different from Keanu's? I mean, all right. So, so it's a lot. what they need? Have you watched any of the other the the show Constantine no. and Matt Ryan? Mm-mm. So the, the easiest way to explain it without you watching it is take Keanu Reeves' character was not. Constantine, but it had the darkness of the actual comic books. Yeah, but Constantine's British. They got the smoking right. Okay, he's blonde, wears a trench coat. Keanu played it completely different. But okay, great. if Gunn keeps Matt Ryan, who I think played to a T what Constantine should be, as far as the accent, the the dress, the look, mm-hmm. he's got the look, but put it in that darker. I mean, it's a pretty Keanu key Reeves thing movie. that he wasn't British. I mean, that's but, what the character is. You know, yeah, right? Character is British, right? You can like he can have not have blonde hair, but he's British. You know exactly. Now but you've got to have the British cursing. Now, well, I'm gonna Arse I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck shite. you up here. I'm gonna fuck you up. Uh-oh. Deadpool is Canadian, <laughs> but he doesn't play Canadian. <laughs> well, well, yeah, no, I, I guess mean, he does. I mean, I don't know. I don't, they don't. That never comes up in the movies. And I mean, he could totally just be Canadian, I guess. But Ryan Reynolds is very not Canadian. <laughs> So, but I, that's, you know, not Canadian. I don't, I mean, is he? I think that's pretty much Canadian. Total. Is he? Yeah. He's Canadian. 100%. That's all he talks about. (laughs) Well, his love for Celine Dion and he's Canadian. He's He's Canadian. He was born in Canada. Yep. He's a Canadian American actor. That solves that problem. (laughs) Born in Vancouver, British Columbia. Wow. Probably can snowboard too. <laughs> what can he do? That's <laughs> he's a phenomenal hockey player. Is he actually? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Makes a great maple syrup. Come on, I don't Canadian shit out here. Rides a moose. I don't think I've ever heard Is Ryan he? Reynolds say sorry once in his life. Sorry. The, yeah. Well, he's never had anything to apologize. Yeah, about. it's Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Ooh. The original Deadpool Wolverine. Yeah, but that was not his decision. <laughs> Green Lantern. Yeah, he'd probably apologize about that too. I think I think the revamp. He was not, of, but you know what? Both of those situations, not his fault. I'll yeah, give you well, that. I think the I think the pursuit of creating a good Deadpool that did Deadpool justice was his greatest apology on everyone else's behalf. Yeah, because he like leaked that, that footage mm-hmm. at a convention and was just like, "I'm just going to show you this because they he don't want to put it out." Yep. He was dead set. <laughs> like, oh, he one hundred percent made that happen. Yeah, because he had the power. Look. Yeah. With great power comes great. <laughs> Nailed it. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> but yeah, so now we'll f- Flashpoint, we'll see. You said mm-hmm. I'm excited about it. 
Spider-Verse. What's the second Spider-Man? What's this new Spider-Man going to be called again? Across the Spider-Verse? Mm-hmm. Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, I got to take... I already have tickets to see that, so I'm going to I'm gonna see that one. I'm excited. I like the first one. Um, now... I, the only thing I don't love, two and a half hour runtime on this movie. Is Ooh. that really how long it yeah, is? Yeah, it's a long one. Wow. And it's only a part one. Oh, God. Really? Is yeah. That, now, that, with everything that. going on with that Miles character, do you think he'll become live action? 100%. That would be cool. And I, that's I what, forward I'm, to that. I'm, that's how I see... How they do that. With my, I don't know the behind He'll the scenes legal Holland kind of thing. Well, Sony's not going to give up the rights to Spider Man. Okay, and Disney's doesn't want to split profits, so they've established it. And I think the easy way, like I said, without me being a lawyer or knowing any of the behind the scenes, would be all right. Secret War happens, which was the newer version, was very Miles centric. We bring Miles in through whatever multiverse Secret War at the end of it in the comics, in that ultimate version peter parker dies miles mm-hmm. takes over and then became so popular they brought him into mainstream marvel earth's 616 yeah, he's really the only one that's ever survived throughout mm-hmm. that whole Through multiverse shit yeah. yeah and i mean he's a great character he he was what we needed because well, we had an adult peter parker yep, at this they brought point. it back to what you're saying yeah. to the young underdog kid who everybody can relate to just trying to find his way and yeah. they took Peter so far into now that what is he running Oscorp or had his own Parker Industries Something, and was loaded and eh, storylines fell off so they brought back Miles who and is there, just learning his powers learning morality learning all the I don't know if we're ever going to get what I think is the best Spider-Man of all time which is depressed Spider-Man voiced by Nick Miller from New Girl he's so good he's so good, so good. and so just like pathetic yep. throughout that movie and it's it's pitch perfect. Like, it's everything that you want in a Spider-Man movie. You like that better than emo Tobey Maguire? I know. It's hard to call. <laughs> <but> <laughs> I mean, that. I think that that... I would legitimately say that I think that the first Spider-Verse movie is probably my favorite comic book anything. It's definitely one of my favorite animated anything. Like, I think that that movie is unbelievable with what it did, and it... It almost had, maybe I'm crazy, but Greg, I remember feeling like that movie got no fucking promotion. None. Like, it was just None. like, hey, we're putting out this Spider-Man movie. Was well, it in theaters? It, yeah. I yeah. saw it in an empty it, theater it, two on a two, Saturday. <laughs> two ways. It, we don't need to promote it because it's Spider-Man. People are going to go yeah. see it. Or they, yeah, it's a kid's movie. Nobody's going to like it. And without actually watching it, yeah, seeing it, being like, no, this movie was phenomenal. Did it get decent views because of like kids and stuff? I think it got decent but views because fans were just like, this is, it is, I'm also going to throw this out there, my absolute favorite Stan Lee cameo in that movie. Who was he in that? He's the comic book shop owner yes. that gives that gives the, the suit costume. to him and he says <laughs> like, there's a little, there's a little Spider-Man in all of us. Yeah. And it's like, that's how I, w- that's how I want, like that is my Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, he was a dude who just made funny books to tell kids to love everybody. I still think my favorite Stanley cameo was Mallrats. Oh, I mean, it's it great. Phenomenal. Your friend is a weird thing about the sexual anatomy of superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Dave's yeah. looking at Dave, you've seen Mallrats, right? Uh, something we have to show you? Yeah. No, I've seen it. <laughs> okay. back in the, it wasn't like, it wasn't my jam. That's like Jay and Silent Bob stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. You got to watch them now as a nerdy adult. They've gotten no, better. No, I know. That's, that's definitely I remember something I, I could have done better I hated about. Clerks the first time I saw it. 
Oh, Clerks changed my life the first time I saw it. it I was like, was... Yeah, I can make a movie like this with my friends? <laughs> I'm coming in from all big stuff. Like, this is junk. What is this young indie? I don't watch this. Now, I love everything he's done. I like, feel like Clerks is like way up your alley, Greg. It is. It, and it, it's just, it is now. It, just it, like it wasn't what, up old Greg's I, alley. I am slightly too young for Clerks. Slightly. And it's not that I didn't get any exposure, but it was like, it was like, Half-ass Comedy Central weird hour of the day yeah. movies. Yeah, well, don't start with Clerks. Watch the rest of them. Yeah, Watch okay. the Dogma. The Clerks is chasing Amy. I've seen Dogma. I've seen Dogma. Yeah. All right, so that's, those that's are all, all in the same same universe. universe. Yeah, they're okay. in the universe. Was it yeah, Ask Askew or View Askew? View Askew Askew universe. Mm-hmm. The the Clerks. The thing that I didn't appreciate until years later was like Clerks kind of changed a lot of how the 90s were perceived after the fact like you watch clerks and then you just think of like what the mtv bumpers were Mm -hmm. after clerks and they went to like this handheld gritty black and white like let's just grab dennis leary and let him rant in front of the camera for a minute and just throw the mtv logo in the corner like they started doing the cab driver driving around just like ranting about how much he hates alternative music like (laughs) That goes back to letting the creators create. Yeah. Like, you'd have a bunch of suit and tie guys thinking they know what teenagers are like and let's make a movie and make them look like this when Kevin Smith comes out, who is that person? Yeah. He's like, this is movie. just my friend. This is I, what happens. This is literally a movie I wrote about my job. Try not to suck any dicks on the way to the parking lot. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> 37 in a row? <laughs> and then the guy follows her right out. <laughs> Get back it's just it's just that deadpan humor that's great. Just and it's even the the long conversation about the Star Wars deaths. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was. It was right around that beginning to making that nerd culture popular. Nobody else came out and said it. You had yeah. you know, Revenge of the Nerds was the the big stuff. And this actually showed how they were. It's just you, they argue about stupid shit. Yeah. That's what nerds do. They watch I mean, the movies and argue. What's, what's the line in Mallrats where he's talking about? Like how Batman, Superman can never give Lois a baby. He's like, you'd never give Lois a baby. The only uterus in the DC that's strong enough to handle his sperm would be Wonder Woman's, unless he wore a kryptonite condom, but that would kill him. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, and that's just the conversations. Damn, sounds like. Sounds like you gotta watch these movies. Sounds like our podcast. (laughs) Yeah. This sounds like clerks were basically just 90s versions of us. Yeah. That's a, there's not a it's not an accident. Kevin Smith went on to be a very prolific podcast. Yeah, that guy gets it. I remember listening to his podcast after Endgame. Oh man, he was crying during the podcast. Yeah, he he is a true fan. Like I, that that's what made me love everything he does. Just seeing how he is actually that guy. It's not. No, I'm not I mean, he named his daughter Harley, Harley Quinn, Quinn. <laughs> who is phenomenal in his movies now. Yeah. Hey, it, Nepotism works, yeah. right? Put her in everything. She was great. My best friend's brother-in-law named his daughter Ripley. Awesome. There you go. While we're talking about it. So yeah. People with good taste out there. Yeah. I couldn't name my daughter because the baby mom had a say in it. But <laughs> my new dog is Natasha. There you go. Nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Did your uh, AI spit out a way to end the episode? Or? It did, actually. <laughs> what did we get here? Well, that will conclude another exhilarating episode of Comically Speaking. We hope you had as much fun as we did nerding out this evening. Remember, the adventure doesn't end here. Stay connected with us on social media at comically underscore speaking and at Borks Comics. 
or hit us up on the website, www.borkscomics.com, to continue the conversation. Share your thoughts and unleash your inner geek. Tag us in your favorite panel, cosplay, creation, or must-read recommendations. We want to see it all. Until next time, keep exploring, keep reading, and keep embracing the boundless magic that only comic books can deliver. You have unsaved edits on this field. View edits. Discard. That is the most Skynet, <laughs> Wayland yutani SpaceX fucking conclusion I could have asked for. Now my man Arlex put me on the scud. That his comic is made with blood and squadron supreme.